0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Apollo Show. Before we begin, have you visited my OnlyFans? Check out my page, onlyfans.com forward slash the.apollo.show for some of the hottest boy-girl, boy-girl-girl, boy-boy-girl and solo scenes from one of the world's best spicy male creators, me. Let me entertain you. On today's episode, we have Luke Lehman, a figurehead in the world fitness community with the goal to level up the industry as a whole. His company, Muscle Nerds, teaches personal trainers how to be better coaches and separates the bro science from the real science. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you did too. Let's get it. Welcome to The Apollo Show. I'm your host, Adam Manicus, and I'm here with Luke Lehman. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. This is so weird. I know it's super weird. Hey. It's super weird. Yeah. Welcome to the studio. <laughs> this is sweet, though. May you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Right on. That's yeah, real cool. May. Why don't you tell everyone uh, what you kind of do and how we know each other?
1: Oh man. So what do we do? That's a that's a big question. So we do a lot of stuff. Um, kind of give you a backstory, I guess. Um, like looking at my foray into fitness and health and all that stuff. So. I kind of got in the, the industry as a strength coach uh, under Charles Poliquin, and spent my most of my early career focusing on that, and then uh, eventually taking over his position at Poliquin Group. And uh, yep. And then just kind of seeing how that company went, like the behind-the-door stuff, didn't I? Didn't last long. I think it only lasted a couple of years. But when I left, I uh, decided with my wife to start Muscle Nerds, and we decided to fill a gap that we saw in the industry, which is everyone was looking at advance this, advance that, bodybuilding, uh, sports performance, you know, really, all that type of stuff that was really disconnected from normal people. Yes. And no one was teaching about health, and no one was teaching about just general population people your next door neighbor like yeah yeah you know.
0: the guy who isn't recovering yeah. all week to the, uh to to, to to train basically yeah.
1: the stressed out ceo the yeah. you know the mom who's taking care of her three kids and her husband's at work all the time or this, the dad that's doing the same thing these days you know yeah, yeah. It's that, that type of thing you know like learning all these advanced techniques and methods and things and how do we make those digestible for just normal normal people like your next door neighbor that can't they're not olympic athletes so that's kind of been our journey the last oh, oh god it's been now six years yeah six years since we started six years wow yeah
0: i think i met you guys three years ago um we did a bodybuilding um seminar with you guys with mm-hmm. Eugene Tio and um yeah really challenged a lot of the uh preconceived kind of things that um people just say in the gym um that are total bullshit turns out like carbs are bad for you yeah um you know can't out train a bad diet well you can't you can't out train a bad diet but um you know a bunch of stuff yeah so uh really good
1: yeah so you know it's it's one of those things it's like there's so much we're, we're kind of past the information age and we're into like the super imp- information age where everyone has almost everyone has access in the world to the internet so you have access to all this information and that's a really good thing because when i got into the industry and when i started training i started lifting weights when i was like seven or eight years old um you really didn't have that you didn't have that convenience of just being able to get online and talk to some expert the, the so the good thing is you've got incredible amounts of information that you can look up at the at your fingertip supercomputer yeah right the problem is there's a lot of information so yes. you never know who knows what they're talking about who doesn't and there's a lot of different um, almost like cult like religions in the uh, in the industry
0: absolutely I like um and you know what? It's, it's, it really is people getting overloaded with information, but it's really annoying because as someone who wants to teach people the right way to do it, it's really hard to, to shake someone's kind of um, the first thing that ever worked for them. You know, for someone who that they might have done keto or they might have done um, another low carb variation or a certain type of training like CrossFit or circuit training, and it's really sh- hard to bring them away from that to get other things done other than fat loss. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So.
1: Especially, like, especially the women. Like that's the really big one is that most of the women come to us to lose weight because they don't feel good about themselves. At least that's what it was traditionally until I would say probably 5 years ago. Now women are wanting to actually go in and get strong. They're like it's okay With to that have a fat them. ass. Yeah, they want a big fat booty. Yeah, uh, they want nice big legs. You don't have women coming just wanting to lose weight anymore, so it's it's really good, but there's still some of that traditional stuff that people won't let go of, that they're perpetually dieting all the time, they won't eat in the surplus because they don't want to get fat, they're scared yeah. of carbs, they won't eat enough protein, they don't lift hard enough, and, and it's not just women, it's men too, but the majority of the industry that I see, at least with clients, is it's a, it's a heavily woman dominated clientele. Yeah, You know, um, how do you
0: combat that? Like how do you combat those kind of ingrained mindsets?
1: It's hard, it's really hard because a lot of the stuff too, comes from a lot of like early early childhood trauma you know you I was talking about this with a client last night who she's um her her father's she's older she's around my age so she's in her 40s and her father's idea of the perfect woman is being really skinny right and I started we started talking about um that generation because her parents are around the same age as my parents they're in the you know late 60s, early 70s, and they grew up with uh, that kind of being the ideal of being really skinny and being, like, twiggy was, like, a common character back then. Yeah. And so a lot of them still hold on to that, and then when you're a kid, they think that's how a young woman's supposed to look or, you know, like a a young man's supposed to look a certain way, and then they ingrain that through puberty that you don't want to eat that because you're going to get fat, you don't want to do this, you can't be lazy, and then people grow up with adult trauma and it's yeah. really hard to break him out of that mindset.
0: It's so weird because the only, it's like it's like dudes on steroids, right? So dudes on steroids, the only people that think really big, jacked, ballooned up looking dudes look really sexy yeah. are other dudes. Um, same with chicks. Like the, like the only chicks who like compliment on, the only people who compliment women on their thigh gap that goes all the way down to their ankles is other women. Like yeah. I, I don't know any dudes who would prefer that over a Mm-mm. you know, huge pedonkadonk butt and um, strong looking rig, like no one wants a feeble female, but also no one, no one except for other dudes or, or egoed up people really want like big jacked up, steroided up like the huge bodybuilder dudes. So there's, there's, there's two extremes of the, um, of the spectrum there. But yeah, definitely like you, you barely see, like I've, I've barely seen anyone who's, um, come to me for steroids or come to me for anything to do with steroids, um, in that way, but I definitely have seen plenty of women come to me in the past and be like, I want to do 1200 calories. Tell me about yeah. how I can make this work on 1200 calories. Yeah. Um, could I do this on not eating this? Could I do this on not eating that?
1: Well, that's a, and that's a, the whole calorie thing. That's an, another cult like religion, right? So it's like, you know, we, we went through this, a calorie deficit is all that matters. Okay, cool. You, you're going to have to have a calorie deficit if you want to lose weight. Um, you know, or you can look at a recomp, which you're eating somewhere close to maintenance, eating high protein, and you're getting the work done, and eventually your body's going to change. It's going to adapt the way you want it. If you take a long-term approach, if you want it faster, you're going to you're gonna have to eat less than you burn. Yeah, um, And that can be taken to extremes. But it can, it's, now it's starting to go extreme the other way. Everybody's like, no, you don't want to diet. You want to eat as much as possible. And so now you have these Instagram fitness people who all they do is fucking train all day. They train yeah. four hours a day. All they do is eat, sleep, poop, and train and, and take booty shots on Instagram. And then fucking Susie Muffintop looks at this and she goes, oh, I should be able to diet on 3,000 calories. No, Susie, you train three days a week, and you yep. get like 3,000 steps a day. Yep. You can't eat that much. You have to have the output to be able to do that. Yep. And so it's confusing to, to normal people.
0: And that's a, um, a really good point is to really don't take any advice from anyone who just simply looks good um and who is doing a lot more work than you if you don't and if you don't have a full picture of what that person's lifestyle is it's very hard to even gauge whether those caloric imports are, are, are right for you at all yeah so um yeah it's really it's, it's it's i hear i see a lot of people flexing on how much they eat and how much they can eat and and yeah irrelevant yeah. totally irrelevant I mean, I to, a shit to you as an individual
1: i ate a shit ton of calories i eat. Four to 5,000 calories a day because my output's so high between lifting, jiu-jitsu, and my conditioning. And you're a tall guy. Like, yeah, You're, and you're I'm, not a small person. I'm not a small person, right? Um, but I could never look at one of my clients at, at our gym and say, hey, dude, you should be eating 4,000 calories when they're lucky to get three hours of lifting a week and maybe hit a minimum number of steps and not do any cardio.
0: Yeah. I mean, I could get away with four, four and 4,500 calories and be losing weight pretty dramatically, but I was a PT. I was doing... 17 to 22,000 steps every Mm -hmm. single day before I did my 45 minutes of cardio because I was in the gym and uh, before I did my weights. So I mean, end of the day, I could probably lose weight on a little more than that. Like it's just, but me now that I'm a bit more sedentary, like you really do have to dial it back and it is a constant work in um, recalculation.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, Yeah, I think that's what a lot of trainers lose sight of is that your clients, aren't getting 20,000 steps a day because they're not on a gym floor for 15 hours a day. They're not racking and unracking people's weights. They're not just continuously moving. They're sitting at a fucking desk all day. Um, So that doesn't mean that we need to starve ourselves, but you have to be realistic that if you're eating, if you're a woman, you're eating 1500 calories, you're a guy that's eating 2200 and you have a pretty sedentary job and you don't do a lot of extracurricular activity, you may have to diet on a little bit less calories, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. And now the industry's saying that uh, women can't eat 1,200 or below. I have some women that, I've had women that have to eat at less than 1,000 calories because they've got Hashimoto's, and that's the only thing that's gotten them to lose weight. But we also have to look at their program and say, well, if you're eating that little we can't train a lot and we can't train that hard so let's just get in, do the minimal amount of work and just let the diet do its trick once you've lost all this weight then we can reverse diet back out of this or we can try to go find some type of maintenance outside of that but the main mitigating factor i find there is you have to make sure that all of your cofactors for your biochemistry need to be added in so if you're eating less you're also getting not just less energy coming in you're also getting less nutrition and you can't make energy from the stuff you're eating without the vitamins and the minerals that you need to drive your biochemistry. Uh, and that's so the big one.
0: Are you talking more about a, um, a multitude of different foods or are you talking about supplementation?
1: Well, th- one of the problems is when you diet, you're now excluding a lot of Potential for bringing in vitamins and minerals.
0: You know what's interesting though, like when I'm dieting, I'm, a, I'm like when I'm when I'm consciously dieting, not just not just eating to look good, kind of, and like kind of on a maintenance kind of, and <clears throat> and uh, like what I mean is is that I'm eating more vegetables consciously. Yeah. I'm le- I may be eating less food, but the um, the nutrient density of my food goes up on average. So, yeah. do you think that even um, eating less food, but still injecting the five to eight cups of vegetables in to your diet um, is still not enough?
1: Well, uh, well, in a perfect world, that would be great. Mm. But now you have to look at the reality of training normal people. How many, you you tell guys that they they try to get enough protein. So that's the first thing, we get them to an acceptable level of protein. Now we need to add some veggies. So they think this tiny little, like one broccoli floret is good. Like no, you need to fill up that plate with veggies. That's the next hurdle that's really difficult to get people to do, unless they come from a vegetarian or vegan background. Um, And then you have other things you have to work over. But the hard part is getting people to eat a a plant based diet and add meat to it and then add enough meat to it. So I would say for most people, um, if you're dieting or even if you're eating in a surplus, because eating in a surplus, you need more cofactors as well because you're bringing in extra amounts of foods. Like what I would say would be like a when we look at like Evolutionarily speaking, if you're overeating to put on muscle, that's not really a a normal thing. It's a very artificial thing. So you might have to do other artificial things, like take a multivitamin, multimineral, in order to have enough uh, cofactors on board to be able to process through that food and turn that unprocessed food on your plate into usable energy.
0: So how does someone um, determine what they're lacking in? Do you have like so like like obviously there's there's blood tests to see like what you're kind of lacking in, but for just the, the general person, are there certain things you look for when you're doing an assessment on someone that would tell you that they're like need to be, you know, eating more of certain foods?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could. Like I always go into it thinking, well, I just know from over 20 years of experience that most of the general population people that I train are not going to be eating a high variety of food. They're going to be lucky to eat 10 to 12 of the same thing every single day. And then adding in a bunch of bullshit treats too. Like,
0: and I've trained people who are in their 50s who s- said to my face, I only eat yellow food, beige yeah. food. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean by that? They're like, pasta, bread, like, Pop Tarts, you name it. You name it. Yellow foods. I'm like, all right, that's. Yeah. You must do some atrocious shits.
1: Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I've talked to people. I'm like, well, why don't you add a little bit of fruit? They're like, I don't like fruit. How the fuck do you... You don't like... There's no fruit you like. You don't like bananas, apples, berries, Dude, cherries, nectarine. I
0: honestly... There's been times where I just... I'm just like... There's no arguing with someone who is just flat out just like... Boom, wall is up. Yeah. I'm just not doing it. And you're like, well, how do I... How do you even um, like turn someone in the right direction if they're like... Look, I know water is good for me. I know I'm meant to be hitting my protein targets. I know, and then they're like, I don't like meat. I don't like water without you know cordial in it. Only yeah. diet sodas, and you know whatever. Um, it's just yeah, you'd be surprised how many people in real life just don't do the basics. Is what I'm getting. At. That's right. And, and and not only just don't do it, but flat out refuse. Yeah, it's just mind boggling to me. I'm not sure what the um, what the solution is there.
1: Well, that's the thing. You just gotta. You have to. You have to look at things. Go look. This is optimally. This is what you need to be doing. But let's just see what's practical for you and let's build on that let's layer things in slowly as you Mm -hmm. nail one thing Then we will add another task and we'll try to find stuff you like but um any new workarounds like if you're not gonna eat a lot of fruits and veggies if you're not going to get a lot of micronutrients let's add a really high powered multivitamin multi-mineral do those green supplements work (laughs) they do but they're not a substitute for me they're not a substitute right because i used to
0: take those green like um what are they called um
1: yeah, like the greens and reds powdered exactly stuff right yeah yeah, yeah. So I
0: used to take that and um I used to think it was like some, doing something good for me I was very unhealthy at the time I was yeah. drinking a lot but um, yeah. but like <laughs> We've all in there yeah correct but I was like yeah this is like doing something for me yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what, it,
1: it's doing something it, yeah. it, it might be not be you know it might not be your savior but it's it's better than not drinking it but right gotcha but that's also the shortcoming of multivitamin, multinutrient blend. There's a lot of chemicals in whole foods that you're not getting from a multivitamin. So that's yeah. why you know, we should be striving to, at the foundational level, eat plenty of fruits and veggies, eat plenty of protein, and then maybe add in uh, a multinutrient blend on top of that mm. just so you have enough, um, kind of like a kitchen sink deal. You may not need all these things, but it's not going to be a negative to take them.
0: I was going to say, what's the likelihood? Because, like, there are some things in your body that you'd never want to kind of get into, like, overloaded, like, mm. high levels. And, um, I mean, if you're getting a multivitamin that has a little bit of everything, um, I wonder, I often wonder, like, how absorbable and how, you know, are these just a placebo? You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, you'd think if you took a certain amount, for everyone, if it's like a one shoe fits all, um, one size fits all, you would think that some people would get overloaded in certain things and other people wouldn't. But everyone who takes a multivitamin yeah. never seems to have any um, negative effects on their blood work. And I wonder you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So uh, well, I, I wonder what their kind of, you know, effectiveness
1: is. Yeah, I mean the, the effectiveness. If we look at a, a lot of research, guys will say, well, multivitamins are, or vitamins have been shown not to work. But what they're really looking at is single nutrient. Types of things. Um, there's not really a lot of great. Here we gave a high-powered, uh, like Thorn Advanced Nutrients, and then yeah. we did a study because the only person who's going to fund that study is Thorn. Of course. And then if it if it shows positive effects, what's everybody going to say? Well, of They're course biased. it showed yeah. positive. Yeah, they yeah. they paid for it. So, yeah. um, but you know, most of the stuff in a multivitamin is going to be pretty benign, except for things like vitamin A. Like, there's some things that can become toxic, but. The chances that you're gonna eat get enough vitamin A from that are pretty pretty slim. Um, you know, a popular thing for people to do now is like liver tablets, which is something they did back in like the 50s, um, 50s and 60s and 70s. Bodybuilders taking tons of liver tablets. Who's
0: that guy? Liver man, liver. Oh, um, the Liver King. The Liver King. <laughs> the liver King. That guy. That guy is out of breath all the time.
1: Yeah, Trent is paleo, right? Yeah, <laughs> is paleo.
0: Someone actually told me about today because actually uh, I actually said that I was like, "Why is this guy so out of breath?" And my mates like, "Trent." Absolutely. Trend. He was on like, yeah. My mate was like, when I'm, on, when I'm on Trend, like seriously. Have you ever done Trend? Never. I actually am I'm really uh, excited because I personally have never done PEDs. Yeah. Um, I, I went to take D-Bowl once and I literally, uh, to take D-Bowl, I would have had to stop smoking weed. Okay. And I was like, mm, <laughs> nah. At that time in my life, I was really enjoying smoking weed. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I've never actually done anything. So I'm so excited as I approach 40 years old yeah. and everything starts to decline that I'm going to have... A really good response from a really small amount, and enough muscle maturity and exercise maturity that I'm going to turn into a fucking monster.
1: Monster, King absolutely. For it. Yeah, trend will fuck your endurance like crazy, especially the amounts people take these days. But
0: yeah, I um, I honestly I don't know enough about it. The only thing I know about it is that it seems to be toxic. Like everyone that takes it seems to be um, like either very emotionally unstable. They look great. They look yeah. huge. And veiny and lean. They trend. seem to put on weight while they're, while they're leaning out. Like, it's crazy. Trend,
1: trend, trend's magic, but it's big boy medicine. And that's the problem is there's too many people that they jump it. They don't have any cycle experience and they start taking trend. Like, that should be something you've taken after multiple cycles. And you don't need a whole lot. People take far too much. Um, there
0: are people on TikTok who are recommending things like 500 milligrams as your first cycle, like just straight on.
1: Of trend? Yeah. Well, well, and then that depends because it depends on what it's bonded to. So like tren acetate, which has um, a, a lot of trend in it, um, and the ester is pretty small for that. You know, you, you don't want to take that amount. Uh, that's the amount that's going to crank up your blood pressure. It's going it's to make you a real asshole. You only need, fuck, maybe a couple hundred milligrams is enough. But if you look at trend inenthate, which the inothate, uh ester is really big, so there's less actual trend in that than there is in something with a smaller ester. Um, and that's what gives it its, you know, uh, time-released, uh, its time-released effect. So, you know, if you're doing something like that, you're, you're going to be taking fewer shots but you have to take more compounds. So you might be taking 400 milligrams of trend enanthate where you might only be taking 200 or 225 of trend acetate. They're going to give you the same, uh, pretty much the same response, except that uh, one you have to do more shots of. Right. Yeah. And it just
0: depends on what you get.
1: Depends on what you get, right?
0: That's the hardest thing in Australia is that you literally can't get this stuff in a place that is, um, like, you can't just go into the pharmacy and be like, Yeah, I want this stuff right now. You know, like, it's just, it's whatever you get's like, just, from b- un- like under the counter or like from like just the street. It's, so r- it's Russian roulette. You, yeah, you never if know. If I was in America, it'd be a lot easier because yeah. you, you know what you're getting is pharmaceutical grade. That that was what always like kind of held me back. Never held me back from taking MDMA though. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, it definitely stopped me from taking um, steroids because like for me, anything that can potentially fuck up how my dick works is has always been a no-no. Yeah. So, like, um, yeah, like steroids and like really just not going to someone who can professionally tell me exactly what to do, when to do it, um, why, and how, like, to come off properly is something that I've actually never been interested in. And it just blows my mind these people who do it without even having any knowledge of how to do it properly, nor do they have even like the drugs to do afterwards to bring their levels back to normal. Like, just absolute insanity
1: it's insanity and uh you know most of the guys who they get ready to do a cycle they go to the biggest guy in the gym say what do i take and he just basically tells them to take everything when just take four four or five hundred milligrams of test and see how you do with that and then you can try it again and then maybe add a little bit of something else but everybody just goes straight to everything
0: and it's crazy because you know what it's it's the same i think that like these kind of things being added in should go with your uh gym maturity so if you're someone who is a novice lifter like you're gonna get so many gains before you even hit an intermediate level um that it would be like it would be a waste to use it before you actually get to a um a level of strength that is actual actually near your strength potential as a natural human being yeah um so i mean like for these people who are like just getting into the gym and they just, and they think they just need to get on TRT because they're in their low 30s, like you're in your fucking prime.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you do blood testing. That'll tell you if you need TRT. I'm supposed to be on TRT, but it's very difficult. If I walk in and a doctor looks at me and they're like, well, you obviously don't need testosterone. They're only looking at like the muscles. And I'm tiny right now because all the jujitsu. But uh, And I've dropped from 115 to close to 90 now. You were 115 kilos? When yeah, was that? That was uh, end of 2018. Yeah, wow. When I first started doing jiu-jitsu, and I just decided being smaller and faster would suit me a lot better, and I'd have a lot more endurance. So, yeah, I dropped. Great. Dropped, yeah. Working for you? Yeah, yeah, it's working. I mean, I've, I kind of uh, I miss being bigger. Yeah. But I'd rather my priority is getting better at grappling. So when I get really good, then I'll put – some weight back on and, yep. and that'll be fairly easy for me so but um, man my first my first few cycles was just three, 400 milligrams of testosterone I'd put on 20-25 pounds no problem yep. then it was like testing a little bit of DECA did a couple of those then it was a like little test a little DECA a little wind straw and yep. then I found Tren and right. that yeah so so you have
0: a um. so like my my biggest fear with Tren is uh, that my, I'll lose my hair like my hair is like my calling card mm. for like Everyone that knows me, so uh, for me, it's like I want to hold on to it as long as I can. I feel like trends, like acid for your hair, for your hairline. If yeah, if If you've got it in the family, people keep telling me that. And my my granddad had a luscious head of hair, like white hair, when he was sixty three and died of heart disease, which is why I do so much cardio. But um, but honestly, like um, yeah, it's 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 a very interesting thing. The uh, PEDs, but what I wanted to ask you about mm. is uh, in in university you have uh, you used to compound your own drugs. Oh, not in university.
1: Drugs. I just used to do it at home. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and this is going way back. So, um, way wait, 20 years ago. So it, in America, it was still really frowned upon, kind of like it is right now in Australia, like steroid, right. Steroids are bad. Steroid rage and all that shit. Um, so we were ordering powders from China because powders were easier to get. So we get order the powders, um, and then we would order all the gear we need. We'd get, you know, micron filters. We'd get our, you know, all the stuff to, to pull the oil through the filters and all that. And we were just making it ourselves, um, which I is actually, actually really easy. It's just keeping the area clean. So I had our, I had a two bedroom apartment and I made one room, a clean room. And I just had tables set up where I was just making personal amounts for myself and friends. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so the I don't know if you know like where the whole concept of Trend came from. But, no, that on me. Yeah, so back in the eighties, the and there was a, a drug called Parabolin, which was basically a, very similar to Trend. Um, it it is a basically a form of Trend, and it was made by a French company, and they figured out it was it was a bit too toxic, didn't have a lot of medical use, so they phased it out. But it was like the miracle drug. If you could find that, that's what all the bodybuilders wanted. Well, then the supplies ran out, and then we realized, oh, it's almost the same thing in cattle pellets. Right. So we figured out how to extract it from the cattle pellets, so we all started doing that. So I would go into that, put my, my jeans and my boots on. I'd go into the feed store and order some Trend pellets, Phenoplex, for my cows, and That'd I'd go home and make Trend. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then we found we could get uh, test propionate out of uh, a product called Cinevex. Now, the problem with Cinevex, it didn't just have Test probe, It also had Estradiol in it as well. So you, you had to you had to find a solvent that could pull the estrogen out, and then you could pull the testosterone out. So if
0: you took that with the estrogen in, in it, you'd just end up getting mad bitch titties, but you'd get jacked probably, still?
1: Yeah, yeah but you still, you'd still get jacked. You'd just be super emotional. You'd probably get bitch tits. Yeah, great. But, but cool. we couldn't figure it out, and a pharmacist buddy of mine figured out how to pull the estrogen, so we started selling kits. So you could buy a Finiplex kit, and you could buy a Cinevex kit, and you could get, I think it was in a box of Cinevex, you could get something like 20 grams. So that's like 20,000 wow. milligrams of test. So I started making um, bottles of 75 milligrams test probe, and what was it? No, it was 100 milligrams test probe, and 50 milligrams trend. So if you do one shot of those three days a week, that was a pretty solid cycle. Jesus. You know, yeah, and so yeah, right. yeah, it was it was a good time. It was fun. It was a fun time.
0: Yeah. Wow. So how how long ago was that? Oh um,
1: God, that would have been uh, that would have been probably 20, 20 years ago, if not a little bit longer. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Good luck getting all that stuff into uh, Australia if you wanted to make like a little. They'd pick yeah. that stuff up way before.
1: Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't screw with anything now. I'm supposed to be on TRT. I had scripts in America, but it, like I said, walking into Dr. Here is so pulling teeth.
0: What happens to someone like you who has um, negative, so, so negative effects from taking steroids at a younger age where your testosterone isn't doing its job the yeah. way it's, or not, your body isn't produ- doing its job like it should and producing the testosterone like it should right now when you're not able to get your TRT is that having profound effects on your on, on you as a like you can still train you're still motivated to train yeah. like I've felt like periods of low testosterone in my life through overtraining and just feeling like I'm yeah. you know just dragging ass for a couple of weeks at a time and um like you, you didn't seem to feel like that
1: well i mean part of it's that that mindset and, and just accepting accepting your fate for now if i want to live in this country i got to play by its rules because um, i i can't do anything illegal because i don't have pr and i don't have citizenship um, yep. so I, if i get caught doing anything i get kicked out of the country i can't come back of course and i've got course. businesses here dogs here my wife's here like i've got a have got a life here so uh, and and I, like like you said, the black market stuff, spe- in America, black market stuff tends to be really good. Yeah. Um, here, you never know what you're going to get. Because yeah. uh, now you can go on Alibaba and order the stickers and just get you some vials, put some Crisco in there, put the sticker on and sell it. And then unless that person does labs, they have no idea if there's anything in there or not. So I just, I'm like, fuck it. I just work on my training, work on my nutrition, try to get enough sleep, and then try to keep my testosterone as high as I can.
0: Do you have any, it's um, probably a good, uh, good good, thing to talk about, do you have any um, like testosterone boosting, like natural testosterone boosting ideas for anyone out there who might want to um, peak their natural levels?
1: You know, there's not really a lot of good ones. The, the majority of the good ones is get more sleep. Yeah. And then monitor your sleep and make sure you're getting restful sleep um don't train like a like a fucking idiot because a lot of people they'll do too much volume too much training and not play within the the realms of what's what's the minimal amount of shit i need to do and what's the maximal amount of shit i can recover from and you got to stay in between that and then try not to drink too much anytime you drink so we'll say drinking um, if you're not managing inflammation not managing stress that tends to increase uh, an enzyme in men called aromatase. And what aromatase does is it converts testosterone to estrogen. So then your estradiol starts to go up and your testosterone starts to plummet. Uh, And then if you're stressed out and inflamed, you're gonna be creating more cortisol and cortisone, and that's gonna be stealing away prime uh, chemicals that you need or molecules you need to make DHEA, which is then turned into testosterone. So if you combat poor sleep with a lot of drinking, poor lifestyle, uh, you know, not not taking care of your food and your training correctly, um, any testosterone you do make is now has um, a big potential to be turned into estrogen. And then a lot of your um, pregnenolone and progesterone can be turned into cortisol and cortisone instead of being turned into DHEA and testosterone. So,
0: so you end up just being like a real emotional, um, like mopey bitch.
1: Yeah, like depression, sadness, yeah. um, you know, all that joint aches and pains, foggy brains. A lot of that can be linked for men, especially to low levels of testosterone. Um, right. But a lot of the testosterone boosters that just don't work that well. Yeah. They just don't so work.
0: Like the ones you buy on, buy on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I always assume they didn't. Like, I don't think I've ever, um, like, even as a young fellow when I was trying, when, they, when I was, like, looking for that magic pill, I don't think that was one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Because th- there are some things that improve the potential. So, like, a, an old one was the old Bulgarian tribulus, um, which is a like puncture vine extract. Um, it does stimulate. Doesn't that
0: give you giant loads? Um, Someone actually, a, a gay friend of mine, flicked me a message on Instagram once to be like, because I actually asked the question, like, how do I get bigger loads? Yeah. And they were like, tribulus, get tribulus from. Oh, the I can give you
1: something better than that. Uh, yeah, zinc. No, no. I mean, zinc's good, but like, if you want something that's not a steroid, but it's also not a supplement, if you can get your hands on Clomid. Oh yeah, clomid's really good. Isn't
0: that post-cycle like a post-cycle therapy?
1: It, it can, can be. Can that fuck
0: with me? Like, like if I was to take it without, like, just just to take it for for, for huge loads.
1: Yeah, so well, some of the side effects. Sometimes it can make you a bit emotional. It can also give you little spots that you see in your eyes. But okay. but it depends. Worth the loads. Worth the loads. Worth the loads, right? That's like the Peter North special. Peter North would take clone oh, and oh, would he? Massive loads. He'd shoot Dude, across the fucking I room. I remember Peter North. I yeah, sh- he was I, the man.
0: Yeah, he was the man. I shot some loads to some Peter North. He was my before.
1: hero when I was a kid. Hey, mate, hundred yeah, percent. He yeah. was my hero. They He's do a the the slow mo, and it'd just be like Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: big zinc ropes.
1: Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. But even guys that are, that are wanting some TRT yeah. but don't want to go the injectable route, um, yeah, 50 milligrams of Clomid three days a week. Well, easily, I've taken that. Last time I was in Costa Rica, Clomid you can buy over-the-counter, um, and I bought a few boxes, and, and my testosterone at that time, it, it, I don't know the standard national units here, but American units, my testosterone was in the high 200s, low 300s, and uh, after probably six to eight weeks of taking Clomid, just 50 megs Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I was back in like the six 650 700 range. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, but so the first thing is increasing your total testosterone to a, a, a good amount doesn't have to be super high, but you you need to have enough of it, and then you need to make sure that enough of it is bioavailable, which means controlling sex hormone binding globin, which that can How do you be. Do that? Um, steroid wise provirin that's if you want to do an oral that's super mild and benign, if you can get your hands on it, it's hard in Australia and it's expensive but provirin at like 25 milligrams a day is really good and that can be done really long term because it's non-toxic um, goes really good with a, a cycle, if you're doing a cycle and take that it tends to be uh, anti-estrogenic and okay. also creates more bioavailable testosterone now if you want to supplement um, stinging nettle tends to be pretty good for that. Uh, and I've heard, I've heard salt palmetto, which people usually take as protective of the prostate. Um, I've, I've heard that that might actually uh, decrease sex one binding globin, but I'm not really sure because I haven't found a lot of literature that's really, has really good um, uh, positive effects from it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Boron. Yeah, boron. boron's another one. Six milligrams of boron a day. Okay. Yeah.
0: There you go. Yeah. Heard it here first, guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, with you guys, like you, your your company Muscle Nerds does. Like I, I, I knew about you guys through seminars. So I came to twenty seminars. And I came to a whole bunch of seminars after that because you guys are so fucking awesome um, at what you do. And what you do is teach personal trainers on how to become better personal trainers mm. um, by kind of breaking through all the kind of shit that we learned from the gym bros growing up that we kind of took as gospel. That is now been kind of deemed as um, kind of right, but not, and this is why. Yeah. Um, when do you guys start? You you, you do um, you do seminars all over the world, like, and obviously for the last two years, that has not been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just, I think we're starting to open up now, but not really, um, and it could shut at any time. Like, have you got plans to to start um, any online? not sorry, online any in-person um, seminars in 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 the future?
1: Yeah, you know, I, m- I miss the in-person teaching. That's what I love to do the most, but uh, we'll, we'll probably keep it to Australia for now and a lot our gym. because as much as I miss traveling, I miss going to the Netherlands, I miss going to London, uh, I miss going to back home to Texas, but um, again, because my non-PR status, if I leave the country, I'm not guaranteed I can come back. Um, so it's not, to me, it's, it's not worth it. So yeah. our goal right now is to start taking most of our stuff and putting it online. Uh, put as much online as possible. Then when it's safe, when, when all of this hopefully blows over, then we'll travel and teach more advanced stuff to the people who had already Done, done kind stuff. of the foundational so stuff that we teach. So you know
0: that you get those kind of seminars yeah, with yeah. enough people in there.
1: Yeah, and then we go, you know, even if you've done the online stuff, like like you'll know, you've been to lots of our stuff, and every seminar is a bit different. Like it's a lot of the same curriculum, but it might be taught a different way or might have figured something new out or, you know. What
0: I like most about your seminars is that it is a, a – be- like there are obvious um, – blocks where we talk about certain things but there is a whole bunch of different like kind of anecdotes and new research that you've gone through and um new stories and new clients that have other kind of things that we did like they'll ask a question that will deviate off in Mm. like deviate off into for like an hour so i mean like there's a lot of wide spectrum there which is really cool um yeah so is there like is there do you guys have like a plan to get back to um like like doing anything like with, with your travel so nah, is that not right now just nah. because
1: it's it, what's the point like the last time we did that we had to cancel a bunch of stuff and, yeah. and we had to basically just burn off the money and write it off because we had had you know hotels and airfare oh, you know and then it's so annoying we had to postpone it push it back and then it was like everything locked down we're like alright fuck it we'll just we'll just do it online
0: yeah my um, my partner's the same like she's from Canada and uh, like we've been like umming and ahhing whether we go over there it's just like it's not worth even leaving the country, Yeah. because um, she's the same. Like she's not a um, she's not a citizen yet, but we will be soon. we Will be soon, a matter yeah. of time. Yeah, um, I think we're
1: we're four or five months in our application for PR. So hopefully that'll in the next. probably What is, ten what is like, that?
0: That's permanent residence. Yeah. So um, what does that actually entitle you as a um, as as someone who's here as a visit like as a what do you call it? visitor pretty much
1: it pretty much as far as i understand it gives me pretty much all the same as any other australian i'm just not a full-blown citizen yet but once you get pr then a year later you can test and i can get my citizenship which is what's my goal is so yeah yeah
0: so it doesn't give you anything different to actual citizenship
1: not really not that i know of i think i think you have pretty much all the same privileges of a citizen you're just not yet a citizen but it's the precursor to becoming a citizen Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, good luck with that. Oh, but thanks, I, but, but I wouldn't be leaving the country until you get that either.
1: Yeah. Fuck. It's yeah. It's not worth it, man. Um. Yeah, because we don't know what's gonna happen. I, I got in when the when the shit hit the fan. I was in Texas in the middle of a five day uh, program design seminar.
0: I remember that. And yeah. on
1: day three, so always like, oh, "You're canceling. Tell them you're canceling. You got to come home." And I'm like, "Fuck that. I've never ever. I've I have." taught when I've had norovirus. I've taught when I've been fucking, couldn't walk on one leg because I injured my leg. I, I've i never canceled one. I've done it fucking hung over, never made any excuses. And then I'm like, fuck, I better. And I got back in right before they started shutting shit down for international travel. Dude, so lucky. Very so lucky. lucky.
0: What happens in that instance if you did get like kind of, if you were like, nah, I'm staying for the whole seminar. What would have happened to that um, point?
1: I'd probably still be in Texas. Fuck. Yeah. That'd be fucked. We'd have to find who who's Texas po- is
0: actually all right. Like, it's not a bad place to it is. To, to be stuck. But, it is. But um,
1: but yeah, it's not home with your missus. A few years away from my wife would suck. That would suck. Yeah,
0: that would suck. As I was like, I was thinking with um, Danielle. It's like if she was to go to Canada without me and wasn't allowed back. Like, what would we do? Yeah. Like, what would we do?
1: Maybe just go to Canada.
0: Well, that's right. I mean, like, yeah. cause there's no there's no way you can actually uh, get married, you know, from uh, yeah. you know, on like Zoom and then like bring her over. Like, is like, you really are just like stuck between a rock and a hard place 100%. at the moment.
1: At, at least, man, at least if you were there, you could travel and you yeah. could go do shit. Yeah, exactly right. You know. Exactly yeah, we're, right. We're fucked right now.
0: Yeah, man, I'll be honest, like this last two years, I've completely reinvented my life. So it doesn't have to um, kind of deal with anyone face to face who like, you know, besides the, the you know, the, mi- the minor amount of people that I actually have to work with. Um, and yeah, I feel for people who who actually have a job that requires any face-to-face or travel, like yourself, or both, like yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, it must be fucked. Like you must be really having to um, scramble to rejig your entire business to make up for that like lost like kind of chunk. Yeah. Um, well.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's good, there's pros and cons, right? Look, the traveling is crazy expensive. Like, if I go if I go to let's say I go to London to give a seminar, that could cost us thirty thousand dollars. I've got, True. I've got, you know, Airbnb, food. I have to rent a location. Yeah. Um. Sometimes we get catering, as you know, with some of our courses. We've got, uh, you know, the airfare. Like it's really fucking expensive. People think that, uh, they, they see sixty people in a class, and it might be you know fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a person. But what they don't understand is a big chunk of that is just getting whacked in the dick from <laughs> all of the fucking expenses. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, getting over to Europe is not cheap. Mm-mm. Staying at a hotel in Europe is not cheap, um, and then eating as much as you and I eat is not cheap. So, no, absolutely um, not. It, it would turn into a uh, a labor of love at one point. Yeah. I, I yeah. assume. But yeah, um it
1: fucks your health, I tell you.
0: Yeah, well, I bet you've been glad to actually stay home for a bit. Has it been yeah. a good experience?
1: Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, good. like I said, I lost lost almost twenty kilos and kept it off the last three years, so that's good. I got my blue belt in jujitsu and you yeah, know nice. been able to. I, we bought a gym, started a gym. So how's that going? Yeah, it's good. Scary. Can you just
0: press that power button on yeah. that um, thing there? There
1: yeah. we go. It's uh, that's scary because we bought the gym five days before the first lockdown. Ugh. Yeah, but we've made. Did it you pay it,
0: rent remember? during that eleven weeks then?
1: We were lucky that our landlord was real cool, oh, and man. so he he was cool, real cool about it. Um, so that if he wasn't cool, we would have been real screwed. Yeah. But he was good because. When we bought, uh, you know, we negotiated for four or five months because the girl just wanted too much and she wouldn't come down. And we finally ended up getting to a price that we we're both comfortable with. And um, when the lockdown hit, there was, I don't know, 100 members or so, give or take. Mm-hmm. And they had no relationship with us. So they all canceled. So we had, we were left with 23 people at yeah. the end of it. yeah but then we rebuilt after the lockdowns ended and now we've pretty much uh, kept our membership. So we're at like 130, 140 people now.
0: Great, dude. Yeah. Congratulations. That's yeah, really thanks. good to hear. I, um, I, yeah, it's so frustrating getting to that point where like the f- same thing happened to me in that I was only here for three months before that mm-hmm. first lockdown. Um, and I had no trust with my, like no trust, no built rapport, no built like long-term relationship with a lot of my clients and like half just like walked out the door on the first day. Yeah. Um, and then like another half of those people shortly after that. And just having that kind of dip in morale, especially just as you bought a gym must've been fucked.
1: Yeah. So, that's pretty uh, scary. Especially yeah. Absolutely. That, that type of overhead. It's like, Ooh, shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what
0: kind of stuff do you do at the gym?
1: Uh, I don't do shit at the gym. You don't do shit at the gym? Uh, do you do
0: one-on-ones? Do you still do personal training?
1: I have one client I do one-on-ones with and it was cause she was my second client ever. Um, and I still like doing one-on-ones, but you know, it's a penny has to drive in. Drive, so I like actually like training her. So I don't mind doing it, but I've slimmed it down a lot. i only only training like two days a week, and then she's now confident to work out on her own. And yeah, I write a lot of programs for people there, so I do the programming um, and I teach like one class, which I'm trying to get out of as soon so as possible. So it's like
0: small small group kind of classes. Yeah, there. So
1: we small yeah. group training, and then we've got open gym, and then we've got the the PT stuff as well. And yeah, cool. Then, and I'm done doing all the treatment shit because yeah, yeah, because I was doing you know stretch treatment massage, I was doing you know all that type of stuff, exercise therapy, but. I just got tired of the people. The people that came in that wanted to get unfucked because they had injuries weren't willing to do the work in between sessions. They
0: were like, just, just fix me so I can go throw myself on the fire again. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, and I'm w- not going to do any of this rehab. I'm not going to do any of these things outside. I'm going to come back and be double as jacked up as before.
1: Yeah, you'd have yeah. somebody with a hamstring issue, high hamstring tendinopathy. You'd get rid of it and you'd say, okay, don't no sprinting. No, don't work. I won't do these exercise only. And then you get a call like three weeks later. I fucked my hamstring. And what'd you do? I sprinted across my yard. What the? F- I told you not to do that.
0: Yeah. So it's a it's a very hard thing because um, a lot of people don't like to do what's good for them, me included. Um, <laughs> and I think you just get to a point where you are just like, you know what? This is actually contributing a lot more to the negative side than it is to the positive side. Mm -hmm. So um, that was probably like the thing that was like, when it comes to like PT and the one-on-one stuff and trying to uh, like convince people, like these are the things that you'll need to do for you to get where you need to be. There's no way of shortcutting it. Um, Like having those conversations over again, I was like, you know what? Nah yeah this is like pissing me off so i can see how doing like the one-on-one therapies where you're actually having to put in a lot of effort like physical effort on actually working on people in various ways how that would be annoying if you're like look you can get out of this if in the next six weeks you do this this and this yeah and it's never did it i'd be double as frustrated and i was i was frustrated and i was just standing there telling them to do 10 reps yeah yeah. and losing count a lot of the time
1: it could be yeah and i mean being a pt is hard enough um but i think too when you're doing when you're doing personal training part of it is making sure your expectations aren't massively higher than their abilities right because they could have these really big ambitions and you could have really high expectations they could have really high expectations but their ability to do something might be very fucking low and then we often get really frustrated because we we live the lifestyle it's not that difficult but then i don't have kids i don't have a normal job like i can sit up my computer all day i can make food when I want it. I can meal prep. It's not a big deal. I know how to cook. A lot of people don't know how to cook anymore. So a lot of it becomes frustrating that you're like, look, you would be here, and you would get the same results as these other guys I've trained if you would just do what they do, and then you have to realize, oh, you can't actually do that. Like, you got three kids, and your three kids play sports, and they go to two different schools, and your husband's at work, and he's doing shit, and he's making excuses why he can't take the kids. And like, you're fucking busy. And so we have to be able to come up with better strategies of helping them. Um, and then also understanding that not everybody wants to be dick skin lean. Not everybody totally. wants to squat 200 kilos.
0: And I love that about your techniques is that you use a range of different, um, like exercise methodologies and you whip them all together. So, um, like you even use like a thing called animal flow, Yeah, which is like a, what's the best way to explain it? Like, um, A way of moving, which is kind of like gymnastics, it uses your core in a very different way, like a bunch of different ways. Um, It kind of, kind of fun, fun way to do um, a bunch of, but it's also really hard. It Um, is. I I don't know how to explain it properly.
1: It's basically you're just kind of crawling around the ground. So you you look at it's, it's, uh, it's more like multi-planar ground-based movement and quadruped-based movement, and which is something we most of us haven't done. Since we were babies, unless uh, unless we came out of a pub one night and we were too drunk and fell down, correct. People don't know how to they don't know how to crawl anymore. They don't have people don't have any spatial awareness, and then they go to the gym and they do very myopic movements, like a lot of sagittal plane movements, a
0: straight lo- up and down, baby, straight up and down, <laughs> yep. and that's
1: what they do. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. That's a, probably the best way to build muscle. But it, uh, if you avoid understanding how to move in multiple planes at the same time. You know, your movement and your ability to be mobile starts to go away and then your quality of, quality of life is going to go away at some point.
0: Yep, and you know what? If you make it a little bit more fun for people, yeah. they're more likely to do it. 100%.
1: Um,
0: yeah, it's a um, it's really cool way to, to, to program it in. But um, yeah, with, with most people, I think my, my thing wasn't the expectation on someone. My thing was always people's expectations on themselves mm. and their inability or unwant to do it a different way because they were so obsessed with one way to do it. Yeah. So for example, I'd have someone, I'd, they'd be like, I'm doing keto diet. and I'm like, you can try, but a better way is to do it this way if you add some food you like. And then yeah. they'll like fail one week and I'll be like, okay, try again. And then they'll fail again and I'll be like, okay, let's try it my way. This way add this in they're like no nope, i can do it trust me yeah and then all of a sudden you're six weeks deep gotten absolutely nowhere and you feel like you're pulling your hair out that's yeah. what i mean by um i was like dealing with frustrations and, and stuff as a pt
1: yeah i mean I, I went through the same stuff when i first got in I, I couldn't because i was used to being an athlete like a highly competitive athlete i thought all oh, my clients should be that way and they should all be able to do the right thing and i lost a lot of clients initially Dude, I think
0: that's a, it's, it must be like a phase that all PTs go through yeah. at the beginning. Cause I was exactly the same. And I see younger PTs, I see what they're doing in the gym. I'm like, they're doing five by five. They're doing like, yeah. they're doing these like really, um, like like power lifting, um, style programs with like, you know, muffin top Sally. Yeah. And she like has barely even walked, walked before. Like she just came off the couch. So I yeah. mean, like. Yeah. yeah, you don't uh, need to be training people like athletes. No,
1: I mean, and you, you have to you have to start them somewhere and build some type of really big, broad foundation. Which most most of our clients can barely chew gum and walk at the same time. Uh, most of them have such a poor uh, have such poor development of the nervous system that lifting really heavy is not really the best place to start for them. What they need to do is they need to build a platform for strength, if strength is even their goal at some point, which for most people it's not. Most people it's just, I want to feel good about myself. I want to move better. I want to be less fat.
0: I think, yeah. It's funny because if you dress it up as strength, I think, um, like, but what you do with, um, like the animal flow is definitely strength work. Yeah. Like, but like most people don't think they want strength because they just think of strength as like someone screaming with blood spitting out their nose (laughs) under a wide stance (laughs) squat, you know? Um, but they don't actually see it as like, you just need a base amount of strength to do what you want to do without, you know? You go do, like, the gardening once once every three months. You're not going to blow your back out on, yeah. the, on the three bags of soil. You've got to lug around. Yeah. You know, but people don't see that. They just think they want to lose weight. This one, do cardio. Just wanna, yeah, you
1: know. that's, you know, that's been a big argument with, with me and the people at my gym is when we first started doing the group training, I was riding, like, very highly specific, and I say highly specific towards like fat loss and muscle gain, and I was riding really good proper periodized programs. Um, and then I kind of backed out of that and we were still doing that, but then we started adding in some huffy puffy work. So we started adding in some giant sets with some cardio stuff and they actually like that better. And so it's like, okay, I, I, what I know is going to work the best for them isn't exactly what they wanted to do. And from a business perspective, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write controlled F45 E type stuff, but safe. Because they enjoy that. So we might do a giant set and throw a, a sprint or a row at the end of it. And just Mate, I love it. that shit.
0: Yeah. What I hate is what you just said. Like, F45, I look at that. Like, I've, I've been in a class before where I was looking around. I literally thought my head was going to explode because I just saw all these very unstable people doing jump lunges. Yeah. And you're just like, man, even I wouldn't do jump lunges, even though I've got injuries, but I'm very stable. But, man.
1: Yeah. It, it, F45 is a funny one because you might have 40 people in a class and two two coaches. Like, that. you can't. You have to have a. If you're going to have that many people in a the class, they all have to know how to train correctly. And they have to know how to scale their exercises.
0: I used to own a gym and our gym was small group small group yep. classes and um, we had eight people per glass as a maximum. Yeah. And I guarantee you, if I had close to eight and there was someone who wasn't of the same level of everyone else, I felt like a shit fucking person because I would be spending all my time with the, f- with the person who was novice, yep. who didn't know what they were doing, even though they'd been onboarded. But it's just, if you don't have the... So if you've got 40 people in a class, it's near impossible to have them all doing the right thing, especially if they're dynamic, fast movements designed yep. for cardio. Like having, I don't know how these big companies don't get their, their bum suit off. Because honestly, like if you willingly let, you know, a, a 40 kilos overweight weight person who's never done any weight training in their life come and do a boot camp style jumping, you know, box jumping, whatever, and they blow an Achilles... Yeah. They should be able to sue you even if they, even though they signed that contract. They should be able to sue you. Like that's bullshit. That's yeah, like absolutely. that's like professional um ignorance. Like just like like just letting someone just whatever, you know. Anyway.
1: 100%. It's it's malpractice is what it is. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. But it's like if you look at you go to the park and you see people doing a boot camp.
0: Terrible idea for anyone who's not 18 with able-bodied joints. Yeah,
1: and I, but, and I, but I, I will say this: if they keep if they keep some of the exercises pretty low-level, easy stuff like push-ups, like you're not likely to hurt yourself on a push-up. Like you true. hurt yourself on a push-up, you probably should take up stamp collecting or something, or crochet or something. I don't know. Just don't even work out. Yeah, just wear a bubble, live in a yeah. bubble. But when you go to F45, they did they're having them do box jumps under fatigue. They're having them do really terrible-looking deadlifts. Then um, there's no foundational onboarding to get them to that point um you see that with a lot of the big group stuff and not enough coaches to pay attention
0: and and the annoying thing is is that there may well there's two things that there's not enough like there's not enough good coaches anyway so the likelihood that there's going to be two good coaches in that room of 40 is low anyway and then you're going to do all this other stuff so the risk is quite it's a very high risk exercise but the other thing that's um uh, really annoying to me in the fitness industry is that the only way to lure people in, Fitness 45 is super successful and that's because of the constant variation and that high risk reaps high reward. Like those people lose an incredible amount of weight very quickly and um, like they could do things a lot smarter but if they did things smarter and only did low low impact exercises for everyone, would they keep, you know, their, their audience? Maybe not. Maybe if they didn't because they do like CrossFit style competitions mm. against each other, they do F45 games, things like that. Um, so, you know, it's a, um, it's a just uh, fitness has to be like, it would be good if, uh, people could be a little bit more, um, open to things that are more structured yeah, but and, 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 and less having to, like, I need variety. I need to be engaged. I yeah. need to have, I need to be engaging in this. Like it's a fun game. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wish people would just give that a time that there's a time for that maybe do your um you know a safe version of f45 once or twice a week but it'd be nice if people also just said okay i'm going to calculate this like it's an actual um i'm putting data into a computer yeah um people would see such a huge difference in their in their overall results
1: yeah i think i think a lot of it is that the basic foundational stuff isn't sexy enough to sell and it's not entertaining (coughs) enough and i was so I'm training these two kids that are they're 16, they're basketballers, they're super tall and we're training. and I told them I said, look, I know this trainings I'm, I'm, I know this is boring to you guys right now. I know it is because it, it's it's not you know fancy, there's no shiny bells and whistles and shit. but this is what you need to do now to be able to get better at basketball. Like that's period. You want to get stronger, you want to get a higher vertical. You have to lay the foundation with this boring ass shit and if you're trying to get strong training is not entertaining it is very boring and it's very repetitive especially at the beginner level where you have to have the law repeated efforts if you want to get really good at the squat guess what you're gonna to have to squat one or two times a week for a very long time for like 40 minutes straight yep. both times before you need to do anything else and but people get really bored and that's what we found, too, when I wrote, because I was writing GBC stuff and in 61225, and, and, 6, 12, and um, the clients would do two or three sessions to go, uh, oh, this is boring. And I'm like, look, I need to explain to you what we're doing here. We're using strength training to get stronger and build muscle. And like, well, I want to lose fat. I'm like, okay, that has to do with your diet. I don't want to talk about my diet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the frustrating world of personal training, that's everyone.
1: It. And they, they're like, I'll just run more. Can't we do more? Uh, yeah. Cardio stuff. You're not. You're not going to pay me to watch you run on a fucking treadmill. Like that's not. You're paying me to teach you a very technical skill. Um, so just. I'm like just trudge through this for a few months and tell me what happens. We had guys that were deadlifting eighty kilos. Into three months, they're deadlifting one fifty. Now they fucking love lifting. They're like, holy shit. Exactly.
0: That's the great. Well, you know what? That is. Our whole life, I feel like right now with um, with e- being easily distracted, like, you know, I'm on my phone, I'm doing an email. Oh, I get a Facebook mo- notification. I go into that. Oh, I get an Instagram notification. Go into that. It's given no one, everyone no um, sticking power to, they want instant gratification. They want to feel good now. They want to feel like they're doing the big weights now. Um, and with cardio, you can go really hard now, injury-free. Um, and most people, try and go really hard now when it comes to weights and they're blowing Mm. their fucking ass out um you can't bring a cardio mindset to weights but Mm. you will be severely rewarded if you do bring a um a mindset of learning and um and patience to your weights Um, you'll not only look the best you've ever looked but you'll be feeling the best you've ever felt because you'll be strong as fuck and uh, you'll be feeling really good because you will be you can actually see tangible numbers that are going up that you could never do at one point in your life. Whereas cardio stuff or cardio stuff, if you're doing actual cardio stuff where you're like, right, I'm, I'm aiming for an, a, a bigger two-kilometer row. I want to have a faster two-kilometer row. They are gratifying in a similar way. But if you're just doing like boot camp class and you weren't calculating how many push-ups you did, burpees you did, star jumps you did, how many runs you got through – it's fucking boring, guys. Yeah.
1: It, it, but look, I tell you, some I'm gonna get on that cardio thing too, because I was about to bring it up and you, you got it. You nailed it right on the head with the the cardio stuff. But a lot of people I find that are in the general population, they just want to come in and work up a sweat. And so what I would say to people like that is you don't need to pay to go to F45 to do that, you can you can easily get videos off of YouTube or buy someone's product and do it by yourself, because I hate to tell you this, but most of the time when you're in those big groups, you're massively already unsupervised. So there's no reason to pay a trainer when you're unsupervised when you could just do it by yourself unsupervised with somebody's fifty dollar program.
0: Exactly right.
1: Like That's because a good point. you do the same fucking thing, except you're probably going to get less hurt. When you're not at F45, because
0: you're not competing against 20 other people,
1: exactly. And if you find a good coach like us or or someone we know, they're gonna write a program that makes sense, which means you're not gonna sequence a bunch of exercises that don't pair nicely together. Like, just remember,
0: it pays to not. It pays to pay, guys. Yeah. So like, if you, the thing is with personal trainers is that they're a dime a dozen. Is that they're pumping out you know, hundreds of them, in a college every 12 to 16, what is it? 16 weeks now to get a personal training cert. Um, and then you've got like hundred hours afterwards of like shadowing someone. So if you get someone who's only been in for a year, you're going to get someone who is, who was just like you 18 months ago. So like when you think of it that way, you're like, man, I don't want me training me. You want someone who actually knows what they're doing. And most people, um, unfortunately in my business do it for the wrong reasons. They do it um, the personal trainers who are who have longevity are usually really good. The people who don't, who have just been doing it for two or three years uh, because they didn't really know what to do, they're usually uh, not that good and they're usually doing steroids. So they're usually not doing um, what they're preaching to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you want to be shopping around when you're looking for places to train because there are a lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes to the fitness industry. Yeah. It's not oh, all
1: um, chicken rice and vegetables. Hugely, and most of the people that are getting it now don't have any time under the bar. They've they they've never trained or they've trained very little, maybe a year, and they said, "I want to do this for a career." And now you're training with somebody who's only got who's only been lifting 12 months longer than you have. So they have no they have no idea what the fuck they're doing. And they're giving cookie-cutter programs because they don't know enough functional anatomy. They don't know enough physiology or biology. They're giving nutritional advice, and they're basically just copying and pasting stuff off you know, bodybuilding.com. You, you, if you want to pay, pay for expertise. Don't just pay someone because you like them or you like the way they look. Make sure that they, they speak, and when they talk, it makes sense. And then ask other people what they think. Ask other experts what they think about that person. Because, man, I, I've been in the education side of this for over a decade, and there's a lot of uh, Dunning Kruger going on in our industry where people think they're uh, smarter than they really are, and they think that their knowledge is much deeper than it really is. And there's not a lot of depth or breadth of knowledge uh, in the industry, uh, at least not what they need to know.
0: I'll agree with you there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um,
1: conditioning. I do want to say please, conditioning. Please. You made a really good point there. People need to understand the difference between exercising and training, right? You're not hiring somebody as a personal exerciser. You're, You're hiring them as a personal trainer. So if you go to a trainer, they should have benchmarks for you. They should be saying, okay, let's have a condition. I like three goals. What's your physique goal, conditioning goal, and your strength goal, okay? If you don't have them, I'll assign them to you. Okay, so it might be if you're really out of shape, your conditioning goal might be let's get your VO2 max up. Let's test it. And then let's set a benchmark in three months to retest that. If you're really fucking weak, okay, let's just figure out what you need to do to make these lifts stronger. And then if you're overweight, what do we need to lose? If you're under muscled, what do we need to gain? That's the stuff that your trainer should be talking to you about and be monitoring that stuff. Resistance training is fairly easy. You're either lifting more or you're getting more reps. Fairly simple. Conditioning is not as cut and dry as that. Because most of the people that are doing their cardio, they're doing it to chase calories. They're not actually doing it for a performance goal. When When you leave cardio as a caloric burn and you leave that off the table and focus on getting faster or going further in a certain amount of time or going further without being in pain and feeling muscle burn, you should be focusing on that. Look at performance metrics. So if you're going to do a 2,000-meter row today, and let's say you do you do a real awful 2,000-meter row, like 10 fucking minutes, which is real fucking bad. <laughs> Set a goal. Okay, what do I need to do to get to 9 minutes, 8 minutes, 7 minutes? Once you get to closer to 7 minutes, that's pretty fucking good. Uh, but you should be striving to improve the conditioning stuff the same way you would try to improve the weight training, like you would improve the number on the scale, the way your body composition is, the way your pictures look, the way your clothes fit. But people never look at conditioning as what is the end goal? What am I getting out of this other than just burning a bunch of calories?
0: Exactly right. Like, I found that when I started doing um, specific broken up into the systems conditioning, um, like I do do a lot of aerobics, but I'd also have done in the past like sprints um and then like 90 second sprints which were were awful but like you're just hitting these different systems and um challenging yourself in a different way and honestly like i've never been more challenged in my life than doing four 30 second sprints with five minutes rest in between on the airdyne um, like I literally was like shaking. It was very weird, very weird experience. And I'm actually terrified of that workout. So if anyone wants to try something terrifying, four sets of 30 seconds on the air airdyne trying to get around 100 RPM the entire 30 seconds and then lay in the starfish position in your living room or on the gym <laughs> floor because you're going to need it. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, the thing is with, with p- people do, don't, don't, People don't do what they don't do. So what I found is that men don't do a lot of cardio. Yeah. Um. They don't. They don't value cardio. They think it's gonna kill their gains or some bullshit. And women don't tend to do weights. And women tend to do a yeah. lot of um body a pump. Lot of, a lot of body pump yeah. for their weights, and they don't actually do uh, any structured weights. So yeah. I think um, good piece of advice for everyone is just to kind of um, honestly analyze your um, entire health regime, not just fitness, but health. Like your sleep, your training, your types of training, like split those up, your cardio, your weights, and uh, just see what you, see. all I, all, all you would, all I would do as a personal trainer is see your chinks in your armor and just see where we need to kind of iron those out. And then we press all your strengths forward as we start to bring the weaknesses up, but yeah, you can identify those yourself. And I, I think everyone, if you're honest with yourself, even right now, you, 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 you know what you're not doing. I know what I'm not yeah. doing. Um. Mate, if you were 10 years younger, what, would, what advice would you give the 10-year-old? If you were, if you were to meet the te- you 10 years ago, what would you give the advice for him?
1: I would tell him, start learning. If we're, not, we're just talking life shit, right? Whatever. The first thing I would tell myself is learn how to manage your money and start investing and saving money. Stop fucking around and partying so much. Stop doing so many drugs yeah um you yeah, keep that to every once in a while yeah um yeah watch out with who you hang out with yeah it would be stuff like that and and i would probably tell myself to um maybe what, what am i looking at um i would probably tell myself at that time to s- don't just take somebody's word for uh gold like don't take it as the end all be all because everyone has an agenda and everybody has biases and just learn to be very neutral about stuff like switzerland yeah and just say okay it's hard know, not
0: to be emotional there. It's, it's hard, hard. it's very hard.
1: hard it's hard not to hold on to self-beliefs because you don't want to admit that you might have been wrong right um but it's especially important in our industry where, like you said earlier, like you, you could be keto or vegan or vegetarian or carnivore. And people will hold on to something that might work for them. And then they give it to a bunch of other people or they tell people that their way of eating is wrong, even if it's working for them. Yeah. So like 10 years ago, I'd be saying, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm not pro-vegan at all. I think it's I don't think people should be vegan, but. Uh, one of my good friends, Margs, once said something to me that that really changed the way I look at it. You're never going to change somebody's belief system, so I could either go on this holy crusade and say that you know being vegan's stupid, blah blah, or I could just learn how to help people be better vegans by learning more about it, which is much better for business and you're more helpful to people. Yes. Yeah. So I would, yeah, I would, I would tell myself, you need to make sure people are taking care of what's important, like their conditioning, because in All of the research, it's it's clear like the number one factor for reducing all cause mortality and living a long life and, and not just not just being old and waiting to die, but actually living in your old age is a high VO2 max, which means you need to have a good foundation of aerobic fitness. Um, can you
0: get a bigger vo2 is it i know like tabata and stuff gets you bigger vo2 and that actually gives you like but that's like the hardest fucking training for like four minutes is there do is just longer aerobics affect your vo2 at all or can you have a really good aerobic base and not have a very good vo2
1: so if you look if you want to the way i systemize it as i'm like okay we need to take care of for a lot of people the lowest hanging fruit so the first thing is build the distance Mm -hmm. so do the long slow cardio long slow cardio under say 70 73 percent of your heart rate max um, do that for you know a couple of blocks of training and then go to above you know 73 go to like 75 80 percent vo2 max and get so it, the first couple of blocks you're working on more fat oxidation and low level steady state stuff and then move it into more carbohydrate and fat oxidation with higher level stuff so you're you're it's a progression of getting from like zero to hero yeah I'm in real bad shape what's the easiest thing I can do to get in better shape and then slowly turn up the amplitude of that over time and then once you have good aerobic fitness then you can start doing more sprint work but if you don't have a lot of time for steady state then aerobic intervals are going to be the best thing and I like the Tabata because it's an aerobic protocol but it does have about a 25 to 30 percent benefit to your anaerobic system too So for me, that becomes a really good transition stage going from aerobic intervals of like, say, 90 seconds to four minutes or longer or steady-state lists or miss, like moderate intensity or high-intensity steady-state for aerobic. Um, It makes a good transition period to get you ready to actually do real hard sprints.
0: You actually patented. Did you... um, Because I I know you guys have a conditioning... um Spectrum, spectrum mm. conditioning continuum, continuum, yeah, continuum that you teach in your uh, protocol. So these, what what Luke's talking about is is just that. Um, we we learn as students a continuum where it takes you from um, someone who's on the couch to basically an, an elite conditioning athlete if you've got the mind for it. For yeah. me, me personally, like it does take a lot of um, a lot of um, mental fortitude to finish the spectrum. I always like whenever I'm having a stressful time, I can always I always kind of hang around the aerobics kind of side of the spectrum. I just can't seem to bring myself to do the sprints.
1: Yeah. And and that's the thing. It's you you go down the continuum and you figure out, do I actually need to go further? Right. So if I'm getting into like more anaerobic lactic work, um, does your client actually need that? So for me, most of the anaerobic stuff is is more performance, sports performance yeah. stuff, right? If I'm training a grappler, we've got we need anaerobic capacity and aerobic capacity, and we need some alactic capacity as well. So we're gonna have to run all a lot of different types of conditioning sequences. If it's a normal person that just wants to feel better and more fit, we may get to Tabata, and that may be the last one, or we might not even do Tabatas. Um, they may, they may do a Tabata and say, fuck that. And I'm like, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. We're just going to do normal aerobic intervals, maybe some anaerobic intervals. And that's where you're going to stop. But for me, once you cross that threshold into anaerobic conditioning, I'm thinking, what is the performance adaptation we're looking for? Um, or we might be going into, you know, anaerobic with complete, uh, rest. So we're looking at more like speed and power development and things like that. So most people, the majority of people are training don't even need to go into anaerobic land.
0: Well, if you're if you're somebody who just sits on the couch slash yeah. office desk all day, um, you're right. There is yeah. no reason. To, well, th- but doesn't the anaerobic stuff burn more fat? Like like for me, when I was doing those 30 second sprints, like I feel like I was, I, fat. I couldn't keep it on. I feel like I would have to yeah. really go out of my way to eat the amount I you know to actually get that fat on because I was just like. It was doing something different to just the normal aerobics.
1: Well, if you look at anaerobic, when you're doing sprints, like you're doing 20, 30-second sprints, you're pretty much doing weight training. It's just a different way of producing force. Mm. So if I'm lifting weights, I've got high mass and low acceleration. If I'm running really fast, I've got high acceleration and I've got low mass. So it's just another way to build force. And yes, it will build muscle, especially as the faster you can go and the more force you can develop. There is some some hypertrophy-producing stimulus um, Well, mate, I've definitely built some there. quads. Yeah. I had some
0: skinny legs when I first started with you guys, and it's all <laughs> responsible for the uh, from the cycling. I've, I've never done more cycling in my life. Oh, cycling's the best.
1: It is the best. It's I the actually best. bought a
0: Concept 2 bike out there. I saw that. Just <laughs> so I can do it.
1: It's so good. Like If you look at um, a lot of people, when they think about cycling, they look at Tour de France, where the guys are skinny. Yep. But that's just a factor of what they're doing. Like It doesn't make if they don't want to be too muscular because they have to carry that over however many hours and up and down hills. Now, if you look at velodrome uh, cyclists that are on the oval, those track cyclists have massive fucking legs. They're absolutely ginormous. Massive.
0: The German guy they call Quadzilla? Yeah. Absolute monster. His legs are the size of my torso.
1: If people go, I don't do cardio, it's going to kill your gains. Look at those fucking guys. That's Right. right. And they still do road cycling. The velodrome guys don't just at the track they do long rides like 30 40 kilometer rides just like yeah. the Tour de France guys
0: well I mean I tell you like I'm I'm uh, like my 20s kind of evolved from like like um being the guy that was allergic to cardio, scared to lose my gains, also not living the lifestyle, drinking, and eating like like <laughs> dog shit, like so why did I even care that cardio killed my gains? I was not, I was just basically didn't want to do cardio. You had bigger rocks to deal <laughs> with. Exactly <laughs> right. Anyway, came through and uh, obviously you changed my mind about cardio. Started doing a lot of cardio. So I probably average when I'm when I'm doing it probably three, four, five hours a week on top of my you know three, four weight sessions a week. And I tell you, I've never looked better. I've never. It's not like I've started doing all this cardio and i'm like oh i love how lean i am but i wish i was bigger i haven't lost size like yeah. i'm not uh, like i've i've lost belly size Ma- maybe my arms look the same width as i always have because my arm to waist ratio has lessened yeah or become more you know what i mean my, yeah. but my arms look bigger against my waist because i don't have this fat gut anymore but yeah. um yeah and but and I, the, I, the I main
1: thing too is how you feel how I feel great feel. i yeah. feel great like
0: honestly like you don't even f- you don't even realize how bad you're sleeping until you start sleeping good and then yeah. you're like, my God, I was waking up to piss five times a night. Like every hour, like most, most, like it was like every hour almost. It was like every 90 minutes I was waking yeah. up to piss. And that's assuming I was able to get an eight hour block. I was probably sleeping six hours, yeah. but like only sleeping every 90 minutes, you know? Yeah, so it's,
1: um, it's wild. It's like every single client that we get that we tell them, we're going to do a pretty hefty block of aerobic straight out of the block, and then we're going to get real fit, and then we're going to get rid of it. You do like eight weeks of that. They get into their ninth week. We're like, oh, we're going to pull the cardio out. They get mad. They're like, no, 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 no. I like doing the cardio. It makes me feel good. Can we keep the cardio in? Cool. If you keep the cardio in, now we can use that to replace some calories, so I can add some calories back, and you can just do that as long as you're recovering okay. Okay. But you feel so amazing once you get really aerobically fit. Yeah. It's, you have less fatigue. You sleep much better. It's much less joint pain. You I could never better. go back
0: to, to doing like five reps or less and drinking... You know, yeah. three liters of milk on top of a four thousand calorie diet. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just not something I'm interested in now yeah. that I feel this point. And you could feel this way too, everyone. Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Seriously, but why don't you tell everyone like where your um, let me. Go one, on, going. One,
1: sorry, I got to have one last Please. thing because I want to finish that thought you asked about low intensity versus the high intensity Please. stuff for VO2 max. So think about it with resistance training. Okay, if you want to get real fucking strong, you're going to lift singles, doubles, triples. You're going to stay between one to five reps. Like that's kind of the money spot for strength for strength. Yep. But that's only going to get you so strong because you still have to build a structure that will support that. So, uh, Dr. Fred Hatfield had a had a saying: you You can't fire a cannon from a canoe. Right. Yep. And then, you know, we, a lot of us learn that from Charles, but as to, to my knowledge and, and Paul check, but to my knowledge, Dr. Fred Hatfield was the first person to talk about that. And the way I look at it is the canoe is your structure and the cannon's your neuromuscular system. So if I've got a certain size boat or canoe, I can put a bigger cannon, but at some point the cannon's too big and the boat's going to sink. I need to reinforce the boat so if i just reinforce the boat initially with hypertrophy strength endurance and all that i can build a structure that's going to hold a bigger cannon if i decide to go into the heavy strength work gotcha so with the conditioning it's the same way i need to have enough muscle to be able to produce force if i'm going to do you know, high threshold stuff uh, but i also need the gas tank as well and the long slow stuff less and miss and high intensity aerobic steady state training is what's going to build the engine that raises your vo2 max and that stuff will get your vo2 max to a sufficient level um for most people like we use our calculation that we use is uh you monitor your know, maximal heart rate divided by average heart rate and we divide that by 15.3 and that's during a 12-minute cardiac output test that'll give you a number the sweet spot i find is somewhere in the mid 50s and that's that's suitable enough for probably 99% of people that we train. Now, if you are the type of person that wants to get higher than that, then yeah, now adding in some of the harder work is gonna help get you there. But it's pretty interesting. I I just actually learned this this year. There's a a guy, Dr. Steven, I think it's Siebel, and he he went and looked at all of the, uh, or a lot of the elite level endurance athletes in the world. And he, his take was, look, literature tells us one thing. So we're going to see stuff in research, but that's like guys in lab coats and you're on a bike and they're taking blood and they're measuring gas exchange and all that. But how are the elite athletes that are winning, how are they actually training? Because that's also important because they could be training radically different than the research. Well, they're winning world championships. We can't throw that out, Yeah. right? And what he found was that they, they basically spend the majority of their time Doing a lot of low intense stuff, they spend a a little bit of time doing really high threshold stuff and they almost always stay out of the middle. So, what he found was 80%, 85% of the stuff they would do would be lists and miss, like just really long, easy runs. And then they do like say 15% would be lactate threshold stuff. So, like 2000 meter hard rows and, and hill running and stuff like that. Um, and I think you can apply that to how people should be doing conditioning and also weight training. If you yeah. want good longevity, if you want to get strong you got to lift heavy, but you don't need to lift heavy all the time. So you could spend 10 to 15 percent of your time grinding out heavy s weight, but spend the other 80, 85 percent of the time just building muscle with hypertrophy, your joints are going to feel better and you're going to be stronger for a longer period of time without getting injured.
0: I always go where the older version of me, the younger version of me used to be like, if I'm not nearly failing, I'm not doing it right. Yeah. Um, me today goes off the uh, Mike Isratel reps, re, reps in reserve method where it's like up to four reps in reserve still gets you, um, still gets you results. I think it's three reps in reserve actually. So you need to get, you basically need to, to be within three reps of failure. Now, what that tells me is that younger me was training way too heavy, way too hard. Um, and not allowing myself enough recovery, regardless of yep. my drinking status on the weekends. If I'd not drank, I wouldn't have got enough recovery d- um, d- with how I was training. I was training to failure way too often. Yep. Um, now, I, I barely get any injuries uh, because we stay three reps away from failure. Yep. So for people, um, I actually have a quick question for, for you. with uh, for, for people who are listening in, who are not in the best shape, who are looking to get started, who are looking for just simple steps to uh, kind of get forward, not just things to do, but like... Things to look at for like that, like just to give them a gauge of where they're at, like um, with their blood pressure, where they where, where where is ideal to be at? Like with their resting heart rate in the morning, what should that be at?
1: Okay, so I, I think for men, I like the range somewhere between 100 and 120 for systolic and usually around like 65 to 80 for diastolic. For women, I tend to go a little, little under that. I give them a little bit more wiggle room. And the reason is, is from what you said earlier, most women need to lift more weights and most guys need to do more conditioning. And and you've heard my saying about that is that uh, because because of how men and women t- choose to jump into exercise, most men need to lift less and do more conditioning and women need to do less conditioning and a lot more like actual tension stuff. Yep. Like not body pump is lifting, but actual lifting and feeling muscle soreness and muscle tension. Yeah. Um, so like most of the guys that will come to us will, have, will be a bit hypertense, their blood pressure will be a little bit too high because they've come in and they've done a lot of overeating for building muscle and they've done a lot of hypertrophy and they've done like almost no cardio. Most of the women have been starving themselves, doing shit tons of cardio in classes and no actual real weightlifting. Yeah. So because they, and women tend to be a little bit hypotensive compared to men anyways. So women's- hypotensive meaning lower. Meaning lower. So guys are hyper high and women are hypo, so they're low, right? Um, So we'll give women a bit of a wiggle room of, I think the lowest they should be is around 90 for systolic and uh, probably around 55 to 60 for diastolic for the lower number. But the most important thing for women is- are you getting postural hypotension? Meaning, when you stand up, do you feel like you're going to pass out? Do you see spots? Do you feel woozy? If that's the case, you definitely need to lift heavier weights, and you need that'll eventually, over months, bring your blood pressure up. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. You don't realize. Like, I I quickly realized why. Like most dudes I know had high blood pressure. It's like not just the drinking and lifestyle. It's just the the style of training you do pushes yep. that much volume of blood. Um, like you're doing all these heavy, like really heavy weights, whilst holding your breath. I'm yeah. um, really good at pushing the blood pressure up.
1: And if you are if you already have chronic stress and inflammation, um, and you've got a lot of vascular inflammation, you've, you're probably going to have a bit higher blood pressure anyways. So the more you push that, if the, if the vessels can't dilate, you're just creating more microtrauma to the vessels, which is going to cause aberrations in your cholesterol, which eventually you're going to plaque them and have a heart attack or a stroke.
0: And don't we see that a lot? Like a All lot of the these, um, a lot of these really elite bodybuilders who um, follow these uh, like low, lower calorie, high high protein with just weights, not a lot of cardio, a lot, a lot, a lot of steroids. Um, they tend to not have a lot of longevity. So like a bit of. Bit of this, bit of that, you know, mix yeah. it all together, guys. You're going to look. Thing is, is that no one wants to look like a cloud. No one wants No, The only people that uh, really care if you look like fucking massive is is you, really. Yeah. Um, I found that like my, my body has never been more um, aesthetically pleasing, to be honest. Yeah. Like in terms of like just doing three, you know, three bodybuilding days a week, three cardio days a week, one day of complete rest. Keep my drink to a minimum. You'll look your best.
1: There's a, a lot of trauma in bodybuilding. Uh, oh, shitloads. You know, shitloads. And so you know, a most lo- jacked
0: people I know are the most fucked up. Like they're Absolutely. all so fucked up. I Absolutely. love you guys, but fucking get therapy.
1: A lot <laughs> of the girls come in with eating disorders, and they they trade they trade bulimia and anorexia for a different addiction, that probably a hell a bit healthier. You know, getting into the bodybuilding stuff—if they don't take it too far—a lot of the guys get in it uh, because they were bullied or low self-esteem. Big so breakup.
0: Whatever. Big breakup. I'll show you that bitch. Uh,
1: feelings of rejection, things yeah. like that. So the guys put their gorilla suit on because they feel like if I get really big and massive, no one's gonna fuck with me anymore. And then they can't let that go later. And yeah. that was me—the first half of my career. I—I I had to be one of the biggest, baddest motherfuckers in any room I walked in. Yeah. And then I—I. I, I went through some counseling I got rid of that And I went You know what I don't have to be that person anymore I want to be the smartest Motherfucker in the room Great That's what I want That's
0: the flex you want
1: Yeah And I want to look the youngest Out of all the old dudes in the room Fuck yeah
0: <laughs> Mate 100% That's the way to do it Honestly yeah. Yeah, yeah good
1: Yeah And after dropping all the bloat And the size Am I as strong as I used to be No but I actually don't care Because I feel good
0: Seriously Like I don't think I ever felt good Over 110 kilos yeah. Like I remember I honestly remember Like just not feeling good I remember actually having heart palpitations once, thinking that is not good. Mm. Like I can actually feel my heart like just fluttering in my in my chest. I was like, it's time to do something that's not just weights and and eating as much as I possibly can.
1: But when I got the when I was powerlifting, I got to 124, and I still had outline of abs. So I was still probably you know somewhere between 16 and 18, 16 and 20 percent. And uh, I I could I was 23, 24. And it was cool because you'd walk in places and people just stop and stare at you. Yeah. How many times do you see a guy's 270 pounds walk in like that? Of course. Arms are probably, I think they clocked out at one point at close to 21 inches. Calves are 21 inches. Neck was 21 inches. I was massive. Wow. But I could not walk up three flights of stairs without needing a protein shake and a nap. I was in just such out of shape. poor, poor fucking shape. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Is there a way to maintain that size and... Um you know be healthy
1: well part of it is i probably should have taken care of the conditioning uh, back then you know powerlifters you didn't do conditioning that was before even they had a pr- the prowler and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. only west side was using sleds no yeah, one was using yeah. that type of stuff and yeah powerlifters didn't do we didn't do bicep curls because we thought they were pointless which is not true uh, we didn't do cardio we would eat you know 50 percent clean 50 percent macas, just to yeah. get that fucking big yeah and, and i wish i could go back 20 years ago, and see what my blood pressure was back then, because it would have been out of fucking control. Out of control. I stopped yeah. checking
0: mine when I was like real, real big. I <laughs> knew it was gonna be bad. I just stopped checking it. I think I stopped checking it like one, like I went on for about a year after this, just being a full dirty bulk fat prick. Um, but I was like 160 <laughs> over 90, I think, um, when I checked it a year before I decided to pull it together. Yeah. Um. So I can only imagine it would be disgusting, yeah. disgusting. But yeah, mate, tell, um, tell everyone where they can find, Mm. um, how to work with you. What, what do you like, like what kind of products do you offer? Like whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, so Instagram, muscle nerds, underscore health, uh, Facebook, which nobody uses anymore, but that's at muscle nerds. If you like, like memes, Luke Lehman, L-E-A-M-A-N, on Instagram, but that is not fitness shit. It is only when I take a shit, I've got a bank of memes I've been storing up, and I upload a bunch of memes. Perfect. Don't get on there and ask me fitness questions. I will absolutely ignore the fuck out of you. If Great. You, you have questions, you can email us at info at musclenerds.net, uh, website at musclenerds.net. Uh, I'll look at your suggestion doing the TikTok thing. Great. Great idea. I'm to look at doing that. Um, yeah. And so we do education for gen pop on this stuff Uh, we've got so we've got like courses if you're just a normal person and you want to know how to diet and you want to know how food works we've got a a online course for that we've got online course for online trainers that kind of goes through intake and how to structure things and what you should be doing got a program design uh, and this over the next few weeks I think in the middle of January, I'll be recording the hypertension heart disease course. I'll finally get that out. Awesome. And that will be probably, probably, probably the most important course I've ever come up with because people need to understand how like what's happening with heart disease number one killer for everybody I was about to
0: say it's literally uh kills more people than anything anything and everyone just ignores it because everyone's guilty of eating badly even me so yeah. and everybody but, but most people don't want to confront that so no they it's, don't it's really it'll it'll be interesting to to see what's in it
1: well and the people that that are getting treatment for it they're not getting enough patient education from doctors because doctors are too busy they don't understand. They, the cl- the patient doesn't understand how the medications work and what they need to take for the side effects and the nutrient deficiencies. And there are a lot of really good herbs and and uh, vitamins things that you can take that might allow you to get the doctor to cut your medication at least in half, which cuts a lot of the side effects. And there's a lot of tricks, but. Um, yeah, it's the number one killer for guys, uh, for men, full stop, and, and, and one of the number one killers for women over the age of you know, 60, 65. So women are fairly well protected until they hit menopause, and then their blood pressure tends to skyrocket if they're not, if they, if they're not prophylactic against that. Yeah, right. so hopefully, we'll have that out in February. Awesome, dude. Yeah.
0: That'd be sick. Well, thank you so much for coming and having a chat. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. You bet, man. Legend. Thanks, everyone, for uh, chiming in, and I'll see you next episode.